0: May we be here together. May we touch you, Jesus. May you touch us. And may we be changed. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. So, it's good to see some folks back. You know, there's a few people I haven't seen in over a year. And, um, so it's good. You know, I got a few hugs, some handshakes. I held a baby this morning. It was wonderful, you know, and one of the greatest consequences of COVID-19 is that physical contact has been limited. And, you know, in some cases that physical contact was eliminated altogether. No hugs, no touch. I don't even know if I'm supposed to shake hands, am I supposed to fist bump, am I supposed to do the elbow, maybe that. I don't know exactly what we're supposed to do, right? But, you know, I was reading this week, and it says when this occurs, when the physical contact becomes limited or eliminated altogether, uh, there's a condition called touch starvation or touch deprivation that happens to a person. And when you experience touch starvation or touch deprivation, eventually, like these lack of hugs, lack of handshakes, etc., can have severe negative consequences that often lead to depression and anxiety and I can tell you now that that is absolutely something that's true that I've experienced as a pastoral counselor with people this depression this isolation this um, anxiety that comes out of this touch deprivation and scientists I read found that there are changes in our actual brain pattern activity during touch this is why when you first meet that person and they touch your hand and you're like, oh, and you're just melting and you're like, I'm in love, I'm in love. Well, actually, um, touch reduces what's the stress hormone, which is cortisol, right? And it releases oxytocin. And oxytocin is known as the feel-good or the love hormone. And so when Katrina goes, honey, I love you. And I'm like, no, you're just high on oxytocin, you know. But no, in all seriousness, it's this good feeling that's released in our brain that inspires positive thinking and an optimistic outlook. And when you don't have that oxytocin being released in your brain, you start to feel that darkness, that that blues, that depression, the anxiety. See, this um, oxytocin and touch helps humans connect, and it promotes um, feel-good sensations that lead to a sense of well-being. This is why when people are f- falling in love initially, like, they're, you ever had a boss that was like, or somebody you worked with, it was a real grouch, but when they're in love, they're like the happiest people in the world, and they're a joy to be around? That's that's what's happening inside this person. So physical touch actually Um, uh, increases the levels of dopamine in our brain. And dopamine and serotonin also are these two transmitters that help regulate our mood and help our body relieve stress and anxiety. Additionally, physical touch is known to improve your immune system. Did y'all hear that? (laughs) Physical touch is known to improve your immune system. And therefore, you can say that physical touch, that there's power, uh, uh, and the the power of touch is actually healing. So why am I talking about this? Well, today's story is about two people where we encounter in our gospel, two people that were touch-deprived, touch-deprived, people that were Starving, one of them especially, from the lack of touch. And they were in need of love's healing touch. One was a young girl, 12 years old. She was on her deathbed. And she had an influential father, though. He was a leader in the synagogue. He was an influent guy. He was well-connected. And so she had this man to be her advocate for her. However, the other one was maybe a middle-aged woman or whatever, and she was impoverished, and she had a long illness that pushed her to the margins of society and made her exclusive, uh, excluded, isolated, and impoverished. And some would say she had suffered for so long that she'd just be better off dead. Now, you have to know something before we get into the story. Levitical law. Y'all ever read Leviticus. Anyone in here ever read Leviticus? That's an interesting book. Okay? And Levitical law regarded three forms of uncleanness as serious enough to exclude the infected person from society. These were leprosy, uncleanness caused by bodily uh, discharge, and contact with the dead. To touch any of those or be touched with any of those people, uh, you run the risk of becoming unclean. And thus making both these females in our story today untouchable and therefore touch-deprived. All right. Jesus and his disciples had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. And they get to the beach and what happens? People crowd in on them, right? And suddenly, Jairus, this leader of the synagogue, pushes through the crowd. And he falls at Jesus' feet. And he begs Jesus to heal his 12-year-old daughter. And, of course, Jesus agrees. But as Jesus and Jairus and the disciples make their way to Jairus' house, what happens? This woman... Right, this woman, this unnamed woman uh, who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, thus making her unclean. And anyone that comes in contact with her unclean, she had been, she reaches out her hand in the crowd and secretly touches Jesus as he goes by. Now, you have to understand something about this woman. I just told you the Levitical law, didn't I? You know what the Bible says. In Leviticus, this unnamed woman had experienced a violation, though, of her essential dignity. Not for something that she did, per se, but for something that she was. She had suffered this disease, or whatever it was, that caused her to bleed for 12 long years. Painfully diminished and and, and deficient in the eyes of all of those people in her culture right all the people in her hometown right they knew that she was untouchable she was totally unworthy that she was totally unacceptable this woman was not only physically sick but because of being starved from de- uh, for touch and interaction and encounters with people that, that 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 she was starved she had internalized that message so much that i think she was probably sick in her soul you know that shame that sense of needing love just to be noticed, to be looked at. And she was starving for love's healing touch. You know, I saw a a documentary on trauma this week. And many people that are experiencing homelessness, you know, have suffered severe trauma in their past, which has led to some of these things. And they said that one of the worst things that you can do is to walk past that person as if they didn't exist. Because it's they're untouchable, they're unclean, right? And their dignity. And this is what was going on with this woman. And I have to ask myself, though, as I read this text, who are the infected and uncleaned and untouchable ones in our culture, in our society, in America, if you will? Who are those people that are untouchable, unclean, therefore unworthy in our society? How about our family? You got anyone in your family like Uncle Bob that shows up at the picnic, right? And you're know, the family reunion or whatever. Uh-oh, there's Uncle Bob, man. Watch out for Uncle Bob because he's crazy, right? I mean, or, 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 or who's the unaffected ones in the church or the infected ones in the church? Who are those in the church that are untouchable? Um, That are the unclean ones and therefore they should not walk through the doors. I've had so many people tell me, oh, you know, man, if I come to church, I'm afraid lightning's going to crash, right? Because they have this image, this idea that I'm too unclean or I'm too unacceptable for God and therefore I don't belong in there. But then I have to ask myself, you know, what about my own life? What are the parts about myself honestly that is infected, that I think that's unclean? where I've been told is unclean or leads me to be touch-deprived? What a part of me needs, loves, healing, touch in my soul. I ask you the same question. Where do you feel flawed or blemished or dirty or untouchable by God? Is there a place in you that... The modern religion of the day has told you is so unclean that God would not want anything to do with you. Is there something inside you that you knew if people knew and they could see it that you would make them unclean? What is that? You know, I think like this woman, the scripture says, the story says that she had tried everything to get well. All kinds of doctors and she she went bankrupt in the process of trying to remedy this because she was starved for love's healing touch and I think we're like that I mean we war with ourselves for years trying to make ourselves acceptable right you are what you have you are what you do you are what other people say about you that's our culture right and we spend loads of money trying to fix or medicate what we perceive to be unacceptable. And I think in doing so, we become exhausted, weak, and emotionally bankrupt. Just like this woman. And the spiritual vitality, the life in us, starts to drain out of us like the blood did this woman in this story. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can y'all relate to that? If you can't, make an appointment with me. We'll talk. Right? I mean... I mean, so this woman, she, she, she heard about Jesus, it says. She heard about Jesus. What did she hear about Jesus? There was something about Jesus that she had heard about this guy, this rabbi. And she had hope because he was doing something that was unique and different. He was healing people, touching people, rescuing people, restoring people. And she had heard about Jesus. Jesus In her heart, in her mind, was her hope. And it says that she, he, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Have you ever gone to church full of anxiety, f- depressed, hurting, in pain, hoping by all hopes, somehow, somehow, You can maybe get touched by God that day. God can heal that hole in your soul or that pain and that wound. She came up behind Jesus in secret. You know, I think that's what shame does to us, right? Once you've been excluded and you've been declared unworthy and untouchable, you know, there's a part of you That doesn't want to be seen. Doesn't want to be noticed. Because shame leads us into fear of exposure and fear of rejection. And it keeps us in hiding. We don't want to come face to face with this God. But here's the deal. Here's what's beautiful about this story. You know the Levitical code, right? She, in a stunning act of civil disobedience, touched Jesus. That took some some. Some courage didn't it (laughs) some faith or something right or maybe it was just utter desperation she didn't care at that point right and it says this immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease immediately when you come in contact with Jesus it's immediate when you really are encountered by him It's immediate that's what grace does grace is immediate and it descends upon us and God lavishes us in his grace grace God's unmerited one-way favor of us grace restores and it says that her body immediately was healed you know to come in contact with Jesus is to come in contact with love with love's healing touch. Now, if the story ended there, this would be a pretty cool story in and of itself. Of course, we're Americans in this 21st century. So I'm not really sure that happened, Father Rick. But anyhow, it's a neat story, right? I mean, if it ended there, it would be miracle enough. But no, Jesus invites more. He insists on more. He invites the woman to tell her whole story. And I love this. Because here's here's the truth, or as I often say, here's the deal, right? (laughs) Here's the deal. Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And of course, this woman feeling afraid and fearful, she comes forward and she's trembling and she tells him the whole truth about her life. Why does Jesus do that? Why is Jesus in the middle of the crowd during the sermon? He walks into the middle of the congregation, right? He comes down from the pulpit right into the middle of the congregation where the crowd is. And that person, and he holds them up before the whole community because he knows. He knows what's going on inside her, that this wasn't just purely physical. He knows that she spent 12 years being judged and condemned by those people in her culture. Right, He knows their interpretations, their assumptions, their prejudices. He knows that she's been reduced to being a no-name invisible. He knows that she's been denied spiritual nourishment and the love as a child of God. He knows that she needs someone to listen to, to understand her, to see her, to love her, and to bless her whole truth in the presence of the whole community. And we call Him God. See, This is what Jesus does. Right there while Jairus' daughter is dying, Jesus stops the sermon. He stops the party. He stops everything. So he can restore this woman, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and socially. The word is called salvation. Salvation. He rescues her. He saves her and makes her whole. He frees her from shame and condemnation. And then he says something really profound. He looks at this woman and he names her daughter. Daughter, go in peace. Now, Jesus ignores the Levitical code. He ignores the Levitical law and publicly praises and affirms this woman making her whole. And that term daughter is the only time in scripture that he ever used the term daughter. And it was a term of endearment. It was a term of affection. It was a term of acceptance and a restored status. It reunited her with her true self and God. He basically holds her and he says, Sweetheart, sweetheart, my love, my love, go in peace, go in peace. And we call him God. It's profound. Can we do that? Can we come to the one who gives all of himself for us and tell him the truth? Tell him the truth, man. Tell him the truth in the story of our lives. Can we come before him, not with just the parts that's rehearsed or polished or prepared, but with everything, as Clint Eastwood said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) Can we do that? You know there's an old saying that says we cannot heal what we won't acknowledge. Can we come to him? Jesus, God, incarnation is the safest, most loving presence on the planet that we can come to and tell the truth. Now while all this is happening Jairus' daughter dies. Jesus didn't seem to be in a big hurry and yet he could hear over people talking, oh, and he looks at Jairus and he says, don't fear, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, only believe, and he makes his way to the house, and people are like, she's dead, forget it, and Jesus goes up to the child, and he says, takes her by the hand, he touches this dead girl, and he says, Tal which means, Get up, little girl. Get up. And immediately, 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 the little girl got up and began to walk. When you're touched by love's healing hands, power, God's touch in your heart, your soul, your life, it's immediate. Grace does that. So I ask you, if or where are you starving for love's healing touch? Where are you deprived of love's healing touch? Do you feel like that woman, maybe life has been drained out of you? Then come and touch the clothes of Jesus. Tell him your whole truth. You know, let him take you by the hand. Like he did that little girl, and transfuse you with his life, with his love, with his power. Come, touch, and be touched by love's healing hands, and be brought from death to life. And you're wondering how, Father Rick, today when you kneel at the altar, we will lay Christ in that bread in your hands. Let him touch you and allow yourself to be touched and made anew. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember... God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore you can never lose.